Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening. Tom here. Just to say a huge warm welcome to our podcasts. Maybe you listen weekly or this is your first time. It's so great to have you with us. You can check out more information about HTB through our website, htb.org. Or why not give us a follow on Instagram? Just search up HTB Church. Anyway, this week's speaker is Jemima Haley. Jemima, over to you. Good morning, good morning. Um, As Archie mentioned, my name is Jemima and I am part of the team here at HTB. So many of you may know that we are in the season of Lent and Wednesday just gone was Valentine's Day, but it was also Ash Wednesday, which marked the beginning of Lent. And Lent is an intentional time in the church calendar for reflection, for prayer, and for preparation in light of Easter Day when Jesus is resurrected. So I have been spending some time preparing and reflecting on our passage for this morning, which is Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13. And it's the parable of the ten bridesmaids. Before I read it, it's worth noting that parables are short, simple stories used to illustrate big, complex ideas. And Jesus often taught in parables when teaching on the character of God and the kingdom of God. So the parable reads, then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So therefore, be on alert, be prepared and ready, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. When I was 23 years old, I just finished university and I found myself living alone. I did not like living alone. So I decided that I would get a dog. I have never owned a dog. I didn't grow up with dogs. I didn't know anyone with a dog, but that's what I decided to do. Now, I'm not completely irresponsible, so I decided, right, I need to get prepared to have a dog in my home. So I went out and I bought the entire series on DVD of Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer. So, so this was before the days of YouTube, and I was prepared. And there are many things in our lives that need us to be prepared, whether it's starting a new job, going to school, starting uni or college. Maybe it's moving house, moving cities, getting married, having a baby. Whatever it is 
There are so many occasions when we need to be prepared and no one would argue that these steps are unnecessary. In the same way, Lent reminds us that Easter is coming. Jesus is coming. And now is the time to prepare. So firstly, be alert, get prepared and ready. In verse five to six, it says, when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet him. So because the bridegroom is delayed, he turns up at midnight. Instead of postponing that wedding celebration, he decides, let's go ahead and have this wedding. Now, that was not normal, not even at the time that Jesus was speaking, but the wedding goes ahead. And we know that there are 10 bridesmaids. We have five foolish and five wise. We know that all 10 of them have been invited to be at this wedding. All 10 of them have sent in their RSVPs. All 10 of them have arrived with oil in their lamps and they all have the same intention of being at this wedding. But did you notice that the initial thing which creates the separation between the wise and the foolish is the bridegroom's delay? The one element that is out of their control is what exposed them as either being wise or foolish. Because remember, all of them were there on time with oil in their lamps. I don't know about you, but that almost sounds a bit unfair to me. You know, these women were promised a wedding celebration. I'm imagining that they had to move things around in their diaries, they got their best outfits on, they got their hair done, maybe they even started a skincare regime a few weeks prior just for this wedding party. Now, for some reason, I can totally relate to how they're feeling. I don't like it when, when plans are changed. I, I struggle to sit in the waiting, in the uncertainty, in the unknown. When plans change unexpectedly, it throws me, and more often than not, I am not prepared. Sometimes it can be so frustrating when you are expecting something and it's delayed. It can be so weary waiting for something that you believe should have come by now, and for some reason, it still hasn't. So I don't blame you if you wanna say, you know what, God? I've done my part. I turned up with oil in my lamp. I've been here waiting. I was prepared, but nothing happened when it was supposed to. It's easy to get disheartened in the delay. When you accept that role at work and, and you know that it's not what God has called you to, but you are tired of the delay. When you find yourself in that relationship and you know that it's not God's best, but you are tired of the delay. Sometimes the delay is out of our hands. But then the second thing that distinguishes the wise from the foolish is how they prepared for the delay. So secondly, how do you prepare for the delay? In verse three, it says, the five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. 
Then in verse eight, it says, the five foolish ones ask the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. And the simple answer was no, go and get your own. Now you may be thinking that's a little bit mean. You know, it's not their fault the bridegroom is late. The least they can do is share the oil. Well, throughout the Bible, oil has been used to symbolize the Holy Spirit. So Old Testament priests would use olive oil to anoint kings. And even in the coronation of our king, King Charles, we watched Justin Welby, the archbishop, anoint him with oil as a sign of the Holy Spirit. See, this extra oil that the wise bridesmaids had tells us that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the only way to be filled by God is to be with God. Being in the presence of God, that is where we can be completely filled, where we can get all that we need and more. And the Bible tells us that in the presence of God, there is an abundance of His Spirit. And the thing is that our personal relationship with God is not transferable. A little while ago, I was helping the Alpha team film some Vox Pops, so filming on the streets of London, and we were stopping people and asking them some of the big questions of life. And one guy we chatted to, we said, hey, do you believe in God? He said, no, I don't believe in God, but if it comes to the end of my life and it turns out that I'm wrong, can I just get into heaven as someone else's plus one? We cannot survive, no, we not just survive, we cannot live on the hope of being another person's plus one. We cannot live off the faith of others. We cannot live off another person's relationship with God. I was about 18 years old when I became a Christian and I definitely survived off the faith of others. I loved being at church. I loved worship, I loved hearing the message. It was so brilliant, but, but ask me to be alone with God? No, no, I didn't know how to do it. And I found that if I went long periods of times without being at church or without being around other Christians, that excitement, that buzz for God would fade. And maybe you're still figuring out how you sustain your own relationship with God when you are alone. Author and theologian William Barclay wrote this. He said, we cannot live on the spiritual capital that others have amassed. Don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. I am so grateful for the prayers of my friends and my family, of my church. And I know that you're grateful for the prayers of your family and your friends. But what are you doing to prepare yourself for the delay? I can talk to you this morning. I can give you the Bible passages. I can, I can even pray for you after the service. But what none of us can do is transmit those intimate moments when it's just you and the Holy Spirit. Those moments when you bring yourself just as you are, wholeheartedly laying at the feet of God, praying, worshiping, praising Him and being filled by His Spirit. Only God can give you His Spirit. He is the only supplier of the oil. No one else will do. The thing about God is that He is so good. 
He is so kind. He is the God of infinite chances, of immeasurable grace, of unlimited do-overs. And we see that. We see it all the time. But Lent is the time where the church is reminded of these qualities of God, where we remember to, that we need to stop being distracted by the noise of this world and instead to be intentional in prayer and in preparation, ready to see Jesus. So lastly, what does that preparation look like? It's easy to let Lent pass and, and all we end up doing is giving up chocolates and crisps and social media or our favorite show on Netflix. And, and these things are good in of themselves, but how can we do them in such a way that they help bring our attention onto preparing our hearts and simply being with God? I used to think that being prayerful and spending time with God looked one particular way. I thought it meant that I had to be up at four in the morning and spend three hours soaked in prayer and worship doing deep biblical exegesis and praying and prophesying over the nations all before 7 a.m. And I realized that that just wasn't sustainable for me. For me, what it looks like spending time with God is, is early morning walks before the streets get too busy. It's journaling, it's writing my prayers down to God. It's sitting in silence and just listening to what the Holy Spirit has to say to me. One of my favorite speakers of all time is Catholic nun, Sister Miriam James Hydland, and she puts it like this. She says, God seeks communion with you. He has no other motive for creating you other than to bring you into his heart. Maybe today you choose to sit with God in the stillness. Maybe you choose to worship before you go to bed. Maybe you choose to read a little bit of the Bible each day in Lent. But how we spend time with God will look different for all of us. And now is the time. It's not just a time for waiting. Now is the time to prepare, to act, to ready ourselves because even though this may feel like a suspended moment, it is a moment to be seized. And my prayer is that this Lent would be a time of deep transformation for all of us. So before I pray, let me leave you with this question. When church is finished and the band goes home and, and all the lights in the building are turned off and, and this place is empty, what will you do differently this Lent? So let's pray. It's easy, isn't it, for these podcasts just to be broadcast at you. And, well, maybe that's why you're listening, but we'd love you to get more involved. We'd love you to join us. Put up a chair and join this online community. You can find out more ways to do that by checking out the website, htb.org forward slash online. You can request prayer, send in praise reports of things that God's done in your life, or find out more about the teams that there are available for you to join, or one of our connect groups. Did you know loads of our connect groups are available online as well as meeting in person? Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you again next week.